April. Turn with me in the Bible to Galatians chapter 3. Open up your phones there or turn with me in your paper Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. We are continuing our series entitled I Am Free. I love what Martin Luther called the book of Galatians. He called it the gospel of freedom. And we're starting in verse 1 of Galatians 3 this morning. It says this, you foolish Galatians. Aren't you glad that we don't start every message that way in church? (laughs) Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit? Say Spirit. That's what we're focusing on today. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you not trying to finish by the means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Today, I actually have two titles for one message. I have two titles for one message. I couldn't decide on which title, and then I realized I'm doing a series called I Am Free, and I thought, I'm free to have two titles. So, so here are the titles for the message. Number one is Freedom in the Spirit. Freedom in the Spirit. And the second one, though, which is equally important, is the Spirit is free. The Spirit is free. I've been talking to you the, uh, a couple weeks ago about this kind of prophetic experience I've been enjoying, which was getting a different car. I ended up getting a, a, a Jeep Wrangler that's uh, got big gnarly tires on it, and it's uh, modified, so it's got a lift on it. And, you know, it, it was fun, and there's a little picture um, of me and Steph up on a trail, on, a, on a, a dirt trail, looking at over the beautiful county. What um, I told you about it a couple weeks ago because, you know, I was thinking a pastor can't have that fun of a car. Uh, pastors need to be more serious. And it was something God was doing in my heart uh, in the area of, of freedom. But what I've realized about driving this cheap is it's actually changed my driving experience, my driving life. You know, I, I think many of us see our Christian life uh, like we do driving a car, it becomes very utilitarian. Have you ever noticed sometimes you don't even notice you're in a car? You're like, how did I just get there? And so much of driving is just kind of commuting back and forth to work. You know, you just get on the highway, you just go, stay in your lane, don't go around. It gets very dull. It gets very mundane. That really changed for me when I got this Jeep because now instead of just staying on the highway, just commuting back and forth to work, I actually go looking for trouble. So I'm actually driving onto roads and and as I drive under roads, I'm actually taking new roads, exploring, and as I'm taking new roads, I'm looking for dirt trails. I'm looking, now, I can get a little frustrated because our state has blocked off a lot of dirt roads. But every once in a while, you find one. And so when we do that, we go off, and, and I actually look for, like, ditches with mud. And I actually look, you know, so most of the time you're trying to avoid getting your car splashed. No, I look for mud puddles. 
and to, to drive into. Or the other day, we were up uh, on this drive way up in the hills, and I saw this boulder. And Steph and I were lost, and she was lost in conversation with me, but I'm looking at this boulder, and I'm like, this is going to be fun. And so without telling her, all of a sudden, I just go, whoom, up on the boulder. She goes, just screams. It was like a, a Jeep roller coaster that we were on. You know, we, you don't do that thing in, in a normal car because you know your car can't do it, right? We're driving. This, this is more what the Christian life has become for many of us. Let's show this next picture. This is the speedway in Tomorrowland at Disneyland and Disney World. Okay, I don't know if you've ever been on this. As a kid, I was so excited because I got to drive. And I got on that track, and I was like, you deceived me, Walt Disney. I have no freedom. Have you, have you noticed that? This is, and this is what the Christian life is for like many of us. We tell people, give your life to Jesus. It's going to be amazing. It's going to change everything. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And then the next thing you find is you find yourself, yeah, it's this beautiful vehicle, but you're stuck. Like you, you just got to stay in the tracks and you're like, well, at least I can wiggle a little. No, there's a metal rod under you. And, and, and so in, you, you try to just turn a little to the right. Like, I just want to change lanes. Nope. Have you noticed that? Anybody been on the Tomorrowland ride before? Uh, it's really frustrating. And then they even tell you, please don't go too fast and bump in to, your, to the person in front of you. Behind. You're like, I have zero freedom. You gave me this car. Yeah, it, it makes a neat sound. And then you just, you just sit there and drive, right? It's, God didn't create your spiritual life to look like the ride on Tomorrowland. He wants to give you a four by four with gnarly tires and a winch in front for you to actually go looking for trouble. Have you read the Bible? Have you read the Bible? So that's what Paul was talking about in Galatians. So let me explain it this way. Oh man, it's very clear that my assistant is not here. She's in the Middle East right now, so pray for me. I like, couldn't find water bottles this morning, falling apart. This is what world religions are like. Many, many people think, you know, Christianity is just a world religion. You know, I was born in America, so I'm a Christian. If I was born in the Middle East... I'd probably be a Muslim. If I was born in India, maybe I'd just be a Hindu. And aren't they all the same? Aren't they just going to the same place? Don't all roads lead to the same place? This is all world religions. And let me just tell you, many people in Christianity, it's just like this. Here is man or woman down here. And here is God up here. And world religions say... I'm trying to climb this ladder through my effort to get to God. Millions of people today in church around America and in temples and mosques and synagogues around the world, they're basically doing this. I want to get to God, and so I'm going to try good works. And if I do some good works, that's going to get me a little closer and then if I try praying some prayers, and then if I try giving some money, 
And then if I go to some services, and then if I follow the rules and don't do bad things, then I can just keep getting a little closer and a little closer and a little closer, and that's how I can have a relationship. That's how I can meet God. And that's just simply not what Scripture teaches. That's not what Scripture teaches. So let's look at this because in Galatians chapter 1, he says this, did you receive the Spirit by the works? Paul's saying, hey, you foolish Galatians, did you receive the Spirit by these works? I'm struggling here. All right. Look at, look at John chapter 3. There was a, a religious guy that came to Jesus, and he you know, a lot of times when we hear the word Pharisee, we think, oh, that's awful. They're, they're all bad. No, this was actually a good Pharisee. He wanted to know God. He wanted to have a, a, a relationship with God. It says, now there was a Pharisee, this is John chapter three. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing. So Jesus is performing all these signs, all these miracles, all these wonders. And so he realizes, okay, you must, you must know God, Jesus. You must, like, God must be involved in your life. For no one could perform these things unless God were with them. Jesus replied, for very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Okay, that's really gross. It's a really gross. He's like, hey, how can you being born like, I, maybe, maybe Nicodemus had seen childbirth and he's like, that's not gonna work. I can't do that. Uh, Confession of a pastor, I'm not a big fan of the birthing process. Uh, I know some guys are like, man, the marvels of childbirth. and want to be there with my wife, right? And, and, and That's just not me. Right? I just try to survive. Two of my kids, I was in the restroom throwing up. I was so, our, our dog just had puppies uh, last week. And my wife's like, are you going to be in there and help me deliver the puppies? I'm like, it's a dog. Now, I, I barely made it with our kids, Steph. No, it's like, even our kids weren't that cute when they were coming out. But a dog? Like, no. And, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan. Okay. He says, you must be born again. So Nicodemus is like, gross, Jesus. And Jesus goes on to explain this. He says, you must be born again. Surely, they cannot enter a second time in the mother's womb. Jesus answered, I truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water, that's human birth, and the spirit. What? Flesh gives birth to flesh, so puppy gives birth to puppy. Human gives birth to human. But the spirit gives birth to the spirit. What? You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows... Wherever it pleases, you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying this. 
It's not about a bunch of rules and, and, and trying to do enough works. The Holy Spirit actually bursts something in you. The Holy Spirit actually comes in you, and those who actually are born of the Spirit, you actually start flowing. You kinda, you're, you're, you're like a kite, right? You're like a, 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 a wing with a parachute, and you're blowing with the Spirit. You can't see the Spirit, but something's happened in you where you are born anew. There's actually a transformation. So there's a big difference between this person trying to work himself up to God. Here's the, the second diagram. Being born of the Spirit looks like this. It starts with God. It didn't start with man. And then here's man down here. And man or woman, you can do nothing. You can't get yourself to God. Why? Because you're sinful. The Bible says this, that the wages of sin is death, that we're separated from God because of our sin. And so God comes to us. This is the difference between religion, trying to work yourself to God, and relationship, God coming down to man. And so what happens is this. Man actually looks like this. He's born of the Spirit. God puts his Holy Spirit in us. It's not a religion, it's a relationship where the Spirit of God has actually made you new and he lives inside of us. And that's where we get to this end verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What do you do to get everlasting life? You believe. He doesn't say, if you'll just work hard enough, if you'll do enough things. He says, you believe in him, then you'll have everlasting life. So you believe, and then the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. Okay, now what I wanna do, I wanted to establish that because I'm also gonna talk about in this Galatians passage, he goes, did you receive the Spirit by believing or doing works? Okay, well, what we've realized is we receive by believing. Uh, if you wanna actually have a relationship with God, it's not about you doing enough things. It's just simply you realizing you need a savior. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The Holy Spirit will come in you. But then Paul goes on to say in Galatians chapter, one, chapter three, he says, or does the Spirit work miracles by works or by believing? Let's talk about two different experiences that you have with the Spirit, two different experiences that the Bible talks about. We just established the first one, which is being born again or being saved. Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost Sunday, by the way. Did you know that? I totally didn't plan that, but the Lord planned this. John chapter 20 is where the disciples actually receive the Holy Spirit. Right? When Jesus was walking around on the earth, they had him with them, but he said, it's gonna be better for you that I leave because if I leave, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the problem is that most people think that the Holy Spirit wasn't on earth or in the disciples until Pentecost. Actually, that's not true. So if you look at John chapter 20, 
Let's see where the disciples were born again, where they received the Spirit. It says, on evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. This is how we know that this isn't Pentecost Sunday. Because Jesus actually stands among them. Jesus is raised from the dead. They're all crowded around in this room, and Jesus comes and all of a sudden walks through the door, and he's like, what's up? And they freaked out, so he said, peace. Be with you, okay? And then he says this, and after that, he showed them his hands inside. He's like, this is me, and actually, this is my body. I still have the same body. Look at these holes in my hand inside. This is a bodily resurrection right here. And you, just, you need to know Jesus was actually raised from the dead, church. It's awesome. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So he breathes on them, says, receive the Holy Spirit, and he talks about forgiveness. This is salvation. This is being born again. All of a sudden, the disciples have the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what is this? This is what Ephesians 1 is talking about when it's talking about being sealed with the Spirit. Listen to this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, say believe, you were marked in him with a seal, okay? You were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, Danan, can you come up here? Oftentimes in the Bible... The Spirit, some of you have seen this before, the Spirit is symbolized as water, okay? So the, the Spirit is symbolized as water. So this, let me give you an illustration of what happens when you give your life to Jesus, okay? You give your life to Jesus, okay? So Robert here, I realize, oh, I've sinned. I need a relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna give my life to Jesus, That's what it is. There it is. What is that? The Holy Spirit, the water is in me. Now watch this. You feel that? What do you feel? Oh, he feels love. Do you feel the water? No. No, he doesn't feel the water. Why? It's not on him. Where is it? It's in me. Okay. So that is being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Okay, the water, it still exists. It's in me. When you called out to Jesus, he came in you. I was saved at seven years old. I know I was saved. I started experiencing like God. I, I, I knew that God was with me. I had this assurance of my salvation. I felt his conviction. But that is not the only experience with the Holy Spirit in the Bible, so look at what Jesus says to these same disciples, Danan, by the way, in Acts chapter one. So we move from John, the end of John chapter 20, move to the next book in the Bible to Acts chapter one. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, so this, he's, he's with them again, on one occasion while he's eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, 
but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now in Ephesians, it was talking about being sealed. It was a deposit. It was guaranteeing our inheritance. It's being called born again. But now Jesus is telling them, to the disciples that he breathed on, like a few days ago, and they received the Holy Spirit, okay? To the same disciples, he's like, hey, don't leave, but wait here, because I have a gift for you. John baptized with water, but I'm gonna baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That word in Greek, baptize, is baptizo, which means to fully submerge. To fully submerge. Now, what else does it say? Acts 1.8 says this, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Are you following me? There's a difference between this and this. Danon, do you? Do you feel this? Yes. Do you feel this? Yes. Yes. Why, Danon? It's all over me. It's all over you. I feel it. You feel it. Yes. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> Can we give him a hand? Thank you. One time uh, at church, we were doing this, and it was a really hot day, and so everyone started running forward, and we were. <laughs> that was fun. Um, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you'll be my witnesses. For many Christians, they got the new car, but they're just like the Disneyland, Tomorrowland ride, right? There's no power. You're like, wow, I exchanged it, but you're just on the little course, and your whole thing is just don't, don't go too far to the right. Don't go too far to the left. You're just on this trail when God's saying, no, I actually want to empower you so that you can actually go looking for the things that the disciples were looking for. They, they were looking, they were out looking for problems. They were out looking for the mud puddles. They were out looking for the boulders to climb. They were out looking for impossible situations because they knew they had power. Are you following me? I was expecting more amens. So let's read it. what happens in Acts 2, Pentecost. This is Pentecost Sunday, by the way. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is what I would call a messy day in church. Right? Uh, it's, it's crazy to me that the, the things that happened in the Bible, if they happened in our churches today, would probably kick someone out. Um. I was meeting with an older gentleman this week in our church, and he explained 
that he got kicked out of his church for praying for someone to have a demon cast out of them. He's like, this, this person started speaking in a guttural voice, and they fell down on the floor and started slithering like a snake, and we told the demon to go, and the person got up, and they felt relieved, and they were free, and the elders of the church called and said, you can't do that in our church. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, do you realize that Jesus would be kicked out of a lot of churches? <laughs> Someone just said he already is. Um, my, my, my point is, my point is, is not to criticize, and my point is not to say, oh, my, my, my point is to say, Christianity is not a religion, it's about following Christ. Like, our goal is to follow Jesus. And, and guys, we desperately need the power of God to come back to the church. But it's, there's, it's gonna, it's, it, at times it's gonna be scary. Um, it's, it's gonna, now here's the thing, we have this book, and that's why it's so important for you to know this book, right? People, people, people come and say, man, like, that is so weird. Like, I heard, I heard the Spirit showed up, and it was weird. And I'm like, yeah, and in this book, a donkey speaks, and fire comes and rests on people's heads, and, and, and angels show up, and guards fall on the ground, and, and people shake, and like axe heads that are at the bottom of lakes float to the top, and, and like, it, would, that, would that be okay if those things started happening again, church? Like, would that be, we desperately, because here, here's, here is what we, so I don't know if you've noticed, our country, guys, people are going crazy. People are going crazy, and religion is not working. Religion is not the answer, right? Like, we don't, it's not going to work when people are just going crazy. They don't know who they are anymore. They don't know what gender they are anymore. They don't know who, I'll sleep with anyone. I'm going to, let's legalize every drug. Let's, I mean, it, it, I don't know if you've noticed, it's, it's getting wacky, out there, and what's not gonna what's not gonna work is us going up and taking our Bibles and going, cut it out, stop it, <laughs> right? Come go on the Tomorrowland ride with. It's awesome to be a Christian. Let's get in our car and you can go about this. Woo! That's not gonna work. What we need is the power to come back to the church. And it's not, about, it's not about retreating. Guys, we, we've got to have the next Jesus movement hit Southern California. Like, in this area, there's less than 1% of people that are, are, are going to any kind of worship gathering. Less than 1%, right? And, and, and so what, what does that mean? It means there's over 99% of people that don't have the hope of Jesus, but the hope of Jesus is not just, Christianity has become like we're all just eating salad and we're like, hey, take this Christianity. It's like a little balsamic vinaigrette. It'll make your, your little leaves of salad a little better. Like that's what we're giving people. It's like, let's give you a little seasoning. And when I read the Bible, it's a, a wind, a violent wind came, okay, what would you do if a violent wind came to this church? That's funny. <laughs> when you're in a tent, um, <laughs> you're like, run. <laughs> um, 
What if tongues of fire came back? Right? What, what if in the Jesus movement, thousands that started in Southern California, by the way, started in a time, some of you got saved, a lot of you got saved in that, in that time. Actually, more, more of you in the nine o'clock service in this service. Um, what, people were coming to, to the Lord in thousands. Why? Because it, it was another time in our history when people were going crazy. It was all about sex, drugs. It was, it was all about, I mean, people were going on crazy trips and they were finding it empty. And they were finding, oh, it's actually not sex and my sexual identity that's gonna bring fulfillment. It's leaving me empty. And we can't trust the government anymore and it's leaving me empty. It's the same problems. They've just come back and come back worse, right? We got a double shot of espresso in our culture instead of the single shot. And so we need the double shot of the spirit. So what happens is look, look at Acts 2. It says this, that the, the, the place is shaken by wind, the fire comes, and it says the spirit filled them and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, here is my problem. I grew up in the church. I grew up saved, and I was against the Holy Spirit. I was against the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? So I grew up in a denomination that was against that. So I actually, I went to the largest Christian university, and I was a religion major, and so I decided to set things straight, and I was writing a paper against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, strong suggestion don't try to go against things that God says. Okay, so I'm trying to write my paper against the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and what happens? God baptizes me in the Holy Spirit. Um, and and it, was, it was uncomfortable. It was, I was saved. Okay, so just please hear me. If you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. So what I'm not saying is you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you have called on the name of Jesus, if you put your faith, we receive it by grace, through faith. You call on the name of Jesus, you're saved. But now let me ask you the question. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? What happened when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit? One of the things that happened in this is they started speaking in different languages. Do I believe that everyone has to speak in tongues? No, there's numerous manifestations. Uh, but it's a great gift, let me just tell you that. Uh, I started speaking in tongues not asking. In fact, when I started speaking in tongues, I threw my hand over my mouth and I told the Lord I'm so sorry because I thought it was sinful. Why do I think it was sinful? Because man had told me that. Then I read the Bible and I saw that it was in the Bible. Okay, we have to decide, do I want the biblical Christianity or do I want man's tradition? Okay, when people started speaking in tongues in the Bible, a bunch of people got saved. Okay, what happened? And I'm not just talking about a second experience. The same disciples that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it's powerful. And remember cowardly Peter, who at the end of the, the, the Gospels, he's actually lying when a little servant girl comes up and she's like, you are with Jesus. And he's like, no, I wasn't. I don't know him. I call curses on myself. He was so afraid of one little servant girl. Now the same Peter, baptism of the Holy Spirit happens. It falls on him, and he stands up. Just read this. Read this later on. Read Peter's sermon in the beginning of Acts. He's like, you crucified Jesus. He's like boldly speaking to thousands of people. And what happens after they're baptized in the Holy Spirit? Thousands get saved. Guys, we, we have got to have a church that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm not good enough in my own strength. You're not good enough. 
Uh, I don't know if you know, but our, our schools are going crazy, guys. Okay? I, I, two of my kids are in public school. And the, public schools, the things that they're being taught, things that are being taught about gender, about sexuality, about race, guys, it's crazy. And so what needs to happen? The power of the Holy Spirit needs to come on our kids. The power of the Holy Spirit needs to come on our teachers. The power of the Holy Spirit needs to come on our administrators. And they need boldness to stand up because that's what happened in the Jesus movement. Did you know that? Some of you guys know who Greg Laurie is. He leads Harvest Church in Riverside, does these big crusades. Do you know that he heard the gospel on his public school campus? A guy named Lonnie Frisbee was preaching to him. Greg Laurie thought he was all that, Mr. Popular. And, and Lonnie Frisbee challenges him with the gospel. The guy breaks down, crying, gets saved on campus, and becomes a crazy evangelist. We need it again in our generation. We need the power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit on you. I've had, I, I didn't share this in the last sermon. Three times this week, I've been with people, and we're just talking, and I'm just kind of minding my own business. And as we talk, all of a sudden, they went, whoa, because the Lord came up, and they go, whoa, I have goosebumps all over me. What is that? That's not, oh, I have some good karma. No, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that rests on us while we're just walking with him. Right, and I, I, I didn't pull out a book, and I was like, okay, now I'm going to do, a, 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 I'm going to do a great apologetics course with you, lost person. No, we were just living life. One, I was in an Uber. Another, one, I was on the football field yesterday. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit going with us. I'll, I'll never forget one of the um, first couples that got got saved with us. We moved in next to them. And it was the biggest party house next to state campus. And one by one, the different people started getting saved. And as the girls got saved, they started sleeping with their boyfriends. So there was one girl that wasn't saved, and her boyfriend was a captain of the state football team. And I see him on campus, and he was big. He was, he was intimidating. You can look him up. His name is Russell Allen. Um, he was in, intimidating. And he sees me on campus, and he goes, Robert, we need to talk. And I went, huh. I'm not intimidated many people. I was intimidated. And I was like, oh, He's upset with me because I'm ruining their party life. Like, all, all, all of these people are getting saved. They're starting stopping sleeping with their girlfriends. So I'm, he knows that his girlfriend's next. And so he's, and he goes, we need to talk. And I went, okay. And um, he said, uh, so I see him again. And he said, Allie and I want to talk to you. They come over and they sit down on the couch and they say, we've noticed something different about you. I said, it's not us, it's the Holy Spirit. And instantly, Allie just starts crying. And he looks at it and goes, I've never seen her cry. And we said, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And boom, she gave her life to Jesus right there. Russell's life dramatically changed. It changed from a keg house to our next life group. Russell went on to play for the Jaguars and traveled around Jacksonville preaching about Jesus. We need, you need the power and presence. You might not have a pulpit, but you have a person. You have a person that contains the Holy Spirit. Much more powerful than a pulpit is your person that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells. And you take him around with you. And you need to take him into your workplace. And it's not about having this perfect response. It's about the presence of the Holy Spirit being on you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So what happens? Let's, let's, uh, 
Let's, let's turn the corner and finish. Paul says, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? Church, this is a church of miracles. Let me just say that again. This is a church of miracles. I'm looking at people in this congregation and different ones of you have come up to me at different times and said, man, I was dramatically healed of this or this was restored or this addiction. I have it all the time. People come up to me and say, I was healed of this. I went down front and I was healed of this. We've had cancer healed. We've had tumors healed. We've had deaf ears reopened. But guys, it's time for this to break out out there as well. And it's gonna happen through you. And some of you think, no, it can't happen through me because I'm not a good enough Christian. And Paul's saying, no, you foolish Galatians. He says, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works? It's like, no, it's by believing. It's by believing and receiving. Do you know who can see miracles? You, those who believe. There's two things to do, believe and ask for it. Um, John Mark, my, my son on the front row, he's, he's so smart, he'll always go with me when I run errands. Um, and at the end of the errand, he'll always turn to me and look with these puppy dog eyes and say, Dad, can I get this drink? Or can I get this food? Or can I get, and you know what I say? Yes. Why? Because John Mark understands this biblical principle of believing he believes that his dad is good. And so he's like, if I just go where my dad's going, Selah, if I go with my dad, and then because I believe he's good, I'll ask, how many miracles would be happening around the city if we just believed and ask? Right? So Acts chapter 3, let me just finish. I'll summarize it this way. Peter and John going to the same temple. You can turn there if you want, but Peter and John going to the same temple they went to every day to pray. And one day there's a guy who's crippled and he's, he's there begging for food or begging for money. And what do they say? They say, silver or gold, we do not have. They're like, hey, we're not carrying any silver or gold on us right now, but what I have, I give to you. What did they have? They had the presence and power of the Holy Spirit resting on them. And you're like, yeah, but I'm not Peter. Well, well good, because then it probably means you haven't denied Christ lately, or you didn't cut off someone's ear in a street fight lately, or you didn't call curses down on yourself lately. No, Peter's probably, he probably had a lot worse couple weeks before this happened than you did. Are you following me? What I'm saying is it wasn't because he was St. Peter. Oh, you're perfect, Peter. No, Peter had just been blowing it, right? He was cocky and prideful and ear chopping and cursing, not believing. And yet now he says, what I have, I give to you. He was willing to just drive off the highway. He realized, oh, I've been given a four by four in the spirit. And now there's a problem and I'm driving towards it. Hello? And so he grabs him and says, what I have, I give to you. And guess what happens? That guy gets up, jumps up. And you're like, no, but we don't want miracles to draw attention to ourselves and make us know. What happens? It says this, that after he does that, people recognize him as a man of problems. And it says they were in awe and they praised God. What happens when miracles are restored to the church is people start praising God instead of starting praising a church or praising Christianity or giving you attention. Just say, no, only God, only God. Amen? Why don't you stand up?